Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. These are the readings for Sunday, March 7th, 2021. The first reading is from Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love for the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall na not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, beginning at the 18th verse. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided, through the foolishness of our proclamation, 
to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Good morning. Um, I'm happy to be here this morning uh, with you here in the sanctuary as those, as well as those um, watching online at home. May the Holy Spirit guide my words today so that my sermon is meaningful and opens the word of God to all of you in a special way. Amen. In the past, I've had difficulty with this gospel. Uh, it's particularly the part about uh, Jesus' anger and violence. Uh, not only did I fail to consider that Jesus Christ was not only divine, but also very human. In addition, I needed to look deeper into the meaning of God, of, excuse me, of John's intent and meaning. A friend shared a story with me. It actually is a story told by Fred Rogers, who you know from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. One day, Mr. Rogers was visiting his grandsons. Their parents weren't out at home, but the two boys and the babysitter were there. And they were having fun in the yard. They had the garden hose out, and they were going around spring and squirting the, all over the yard. They were having a great time. And Mr. Rogers didn't want to get wet, so he told them very sternly, he said, uh, you know, I don't want to get wet. Please don't squirt me. Well, his older grandson, Alexander, being a little bit mischievous, uh, he kind of would creep closer and closer to Mr. Rogers. And finally, he got a little bit too close for comfort, and Mr. Rogers said, okay, that's enough, stop it right now, and put that hose away, you're done. So Alexander, he said, okay, uh, he apologized, and he walked away sadly. 
On the way home, Mr. Rogers uh, thought about what he had done and said, and he regretted it deeply. He, uh, as soon as he got home, he got on the phone and he called Alexander right away, and he apologized for his abrupt and harsh words and actions. But Alexander replied, oh, Bubba, he called Mr. Rogers, Bubba, everybody makes mistakes. Mr. Rogers was so glad that he had called Alexander and received his forgiveness. Just as Alexander forgave Mr. Rogers, I am sure that Jesus forgave the merchants and the, and the, in the temple courtyard. Jesus also forgave Peter and the disciples many times when they made mistakes. Jesus taught again and again that we needed to be to forgive and there was no limit to the number of times we needed to forgive our neighbors. As a Lord's Prayer says, we ask God to forgive as we forgive others. I expect that many of you have seen the Grand Canyon. Apparently not. Okay. And there it is. In its beauty and splendor. But I believe that uh, you really don't get the, the true idea of how beautiful it is uh, unless you see it firsthand. Like these people here. I have never been there, and it's something that's still on my bucket list. Some people believe that the Grand Canyon is one of the wonders of nature. Several years ago, my family and I took a guided tour of the Basilica of St. Louis, otherwise known as the New Cathedral in the Central West End. The artistic beauty of the cathedral is amazing. The mosaics, the statues, the stained glass windows, and so on. In both examples, the Grand Canyon and the Basilica of St. Louis, it is too easy to be overcome by their beauty and splendor. We might fail to recognize the hand of our Creator in these works. Even though the new cathedral was built by human hands, certainly God gave, provided the talent and the skill to make it happen. I am sure that the purpose of, this, of the building of the cathedral was to glorify God and to provide a space for worship. But our visitors, are they distracted by the spectacular beauty? The temple in Jerusalem was very similar. The temple was seen by the Jews as the only place on earth where God interacted with humans. As such, pilgrimages to Jerusalem and to the temple during Passover were an important, uh, important practice for their faith. It was the means for the Jews to purify themselves prior to celebrating Passover. Our Lenten practices can be seen in, in the same way as we prepare ourselves for Easter, the most sacred day in the church year. The presence of the livestock and the money changers actually was an important part of the Jewish tradition of sacrificial offerings of healthy, blemish-free animals. 
for those traveling long distances, it just wasn't practical to bring along their own livestock. Furthermore, those who didn't own livestock found it convenient to have uh, such merchandise, I should say, or such animals being sold. Since travelers came from many, many locations, uh, bringing different types of currency, they were required to exchange their currency for shekels in order to be acceptable at the temple. These transactions allowed them to fulfill the obligations of their faith. So that's all well and good. So what was it that made Jesus so angry? The Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, take a different approach than John in regard to this event. First of all, their timing of the cleansing of the temple takes place near the end of Jesus' ministry, just before he was crucified. Secondly, the synoptics use the behavior of Jesus, use the behavior of Jesus in the temple as the Jewish leader's justification for Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. Not only was Jesus disturbing the superficial peace of the Roman occupation, his disruption of the sales, at least temporarily, deprived the Roman Empire of income from the temple tax. The chief priests and the elders would have had no trouble using this argument against Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate. Finally, the Synoptic Gospels justify Jesus' actions as necessary to clean up the corruption of the temple. But John takes a different tack. Chronologically, he puts this event right near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It occurred right after he changed the water to wine at the Cana wedding feast. For John, the event that actually triggers in, excuse me, the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It was also a foreshadowing of Jesus' own resurrection. Secondly, Jesus' cleansing was not merely to end the money-oriented practices at the temple. Jesus wanted to make it clear that it was not necessary to be in the temple for people to get close to God. The marketplace actually was in the outer court, the only place where Gentiles were allowed. However, the hustle and the bustle of the sales in the courtyard were probably a distraction to those inside who were trying to worship and pray. When Jesus was asked for a sign that would justify his actions, Jesus replied that the temple would be destroyed and raised back up in three days. Of course, the people did not understand this. The writer of the gospel found it necessary to add an explanation for the reader that Jesus was referring to his body, which would be raised three days after his death on the cross. Clearly, the disciples didn't get it either. They cited Psalm 69, verse 9. Zeal for your house has consumed me. A further explanation is, in, a further explanation is included in the gospel. After Jesus' resurrection, the disciples would remember his words, and then they would understand. 
what does this have to do with my earlier description of the Grand Canyon and the Basilica of St. Louis? Just as in Jesus' time, people today are amazed at such marvels of nature and human ingenuity. They become distracted by the beauty of such places. In Mark 13, verses 1 and 2, the disciples marvel at the large stones and the large buildings as Jesus is leaving the temple. Jesus, again, at that time, predicts that it will all be torn down. So what is the big takeaway here? This is the key. We do not have to go to a temple or a cathedral or to a high mountain or a deep canyon to see God. God in Jesus Christ was with the people every day and in all places during his ministry on earth. He wanted people to open their eyes and see him right in front of them. Faith Lutheran, Faith Lutheran Church, has demonstrated that this sanctuary is not necessary to worship God. We have worship on the parking lot, in the park, and in the wooded area behind the church. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are saved. Through his Holy Spirit, we are touched and spoken to every day of our lives. The kingdom of God is at hand if we are willing to open our eyes and see it. Well, the kingdom is there whether we see it or not, but we need to open our eyes. You may see God in the flame of the candles, in the music, or in the bread and wine. May God help us to see. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. 